Father in heaven, we thank you for the chance to be here today, Lord, and for the blessing we've received uh, through word and through song already today. Lord, I'm thanking you for the privilege of being a part of things, and I'm remembering my good friend Ron Jensen, who's been a part of so many things here and has another surgery coming up. Lord, be with him. Be with everybody in this place that's going through different challenges. Lord, we face walls sometimes. Give us courage to know what to do with those walls and let that start today. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. All right, I want you to imagine for a moment that you are Joshua. I'm going to read this passage again, and I want, I want you to let these words sink in. You're Joshua. Here you go. Uh, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to Joshua? I mean, just these words alone. I mean, he knew this. He was there when it happened. But these words, Moses is dead. You ever really counted on another human for something? You ever really had that one that you looked up to who really was the one and then they're gone? I mean, this is Moses we're talking about. You remember Moses, the one who talked to God face to face as with a friend? The Bible doesn't say that about just everybody, does it? This is the same Moses who would so much come into God's presence that the glory of God would shine upon him to the point where Moses' face began to glow. So much that they ask him, veil your face, we can't handle your presence. This is Moses who was born to be the deliverer and the leader of the people. And this is the Moses who has led God's appointed people his chosen people. This is God's appointed and affirmed leader who's been leading them for 40 years. Yet here's the thing. After all that time, Moses was not able to lead the people into the promised land. He got them to the edge but not all the way. And now God is saying, almost in a matter-of-fact tone, it seems to me, God is saying to Joshua, Moses is dead, so now you take over and get the people moving, cross this river, go into the land, you know, the one where Moses could never quite get them. Now you do it. Oh, sure. How hard could it be, right? Joshua 1, verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. I assume these words made perfect sense to Joshua because I think he knew these places. I mean, after all, 40 years ago, he was one of 12 spies who spied out that whole region. But wait a minute, think about that for a second. 40 years ago? What do you remember after 40 years, you know? We had Stephanie and Jack up here 44 years. 40 years ago, in case you're doing the math, is 1976. That was the bicentennial year. I remember a couple things about that. 40 years ago, which brings up another point here. There weren't too many graybeards like Joshua in the camp. You know what I mean by graybeards, the, the old people? There weren't too many of them. In fact, there was really only one other, a total wild man named Caleb, who was both old and simultaneously afraid of nothing. The guy was nuts. So a quick review. Forty years ago, all the men and women of Israel had stood at the boundary of the promised land when 12 spies had gone up to investigate. Now, who were these people? These were the people who had seen the plagues occur in Egypt. These are the people who had been there that miraculous night of deliverance and the inauguration of the Passover. These are the people who heard the voice of God from Mount Sinai. These are the people who repeatedly experienced God's deliverance and his provision. Yet these ones who had seen so much lost their courage at the report of ten spies. And this is what they said, Numbers 14, verse 3. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You see, the problem was this. The land was full of cities with walls. Walls that don't just fall down because you want them to. And they knew they were not soldiers trained to conquer cities with high walls. They didn't have any siege works. They didn't have ladders. And they wouldn't probably have known how to use them effectively anyway. And everybody knows you can't conquer a city without the right equipment. I mean, what do you expect? You're just going to blow a few trumpets and some people are going to shout and the walls are going to fall down? Come on, don't be ridiculous. All that they could see before their eyes was defeat and their children becoming slaves. They were afraid of the walls. The Lord was very disappointed at the lack of faith of the people. And he said this to Moses and Aaron, Numbers 14, verse 27. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. 
As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Certainly explains the lack of gray beards in the crowd, doesn't it? And isn't it interesting to note that the specific prophecy says that only Caleb and Joshua among those over 20 would enter the land? Now I suspect at the time that Moses, that God was saying this to Moses and Aaron, that Moses just kind of assumed, well, of course, God didn't mention me and Aaron because we'll obviously go into the land, but he's talking about all of them. But no, even Moses and Aaron would fall, victims of their own lapse of faith. Aaron with the golden calf and Moses from the time when he struck the rock when God had told him, speak to it. Moses' anger overcame him and he did not do what God had said. So you see, there were really only two old men left. All the rest had died. And now God is telling Joshua, take these youngsters into the land. You know, the one that Moses and their parents never made it to. The land with the cities that have high walls. I think if I had been Joshua, I would have been overwhelmed with a wave of helplessness and fear. How can I, Joshua, ever hope to accomplish what God's greatest prophet was unable to accomplish? I think this is close to how Joshua felt. Now this is a theory I base not so much on Joshua's actions because everything that he actually does is is completely commendable. But instead, I base it on the words that God chooses to speak to Joshua to prepare him for his work. Joshua 1 verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. We begin a new series today entitled Walls. And I got to tell you, we went all out sparing no expense on decorations for this one. We had these two walls put up. That's real brick, people. Walls. This is a special series we do every March and April, the small group series. Why? Why do we do a small group series? Well, it's not just to somehow feel good about ourselves or somebody said we ought to. No, we do this for your good. You see, Sabbath is a really good experience, and, and, and most of us have the discipline and know to get up and come to church on Sabbath morning, and, and we benefit from that. But, but this is really only one of three pieces you need in your life if you're really going to become an effective disciple of Jesus. There's the worship service attendance where we come together and and we experience awesome times of worship, like restoration here, singing for us. They don't come to your house and do that, do they? No, you got to come 
and be a part of the group. And, and there's something about being with the people of God and singing a hymn together. It's powerful. And we gain insights into the scripture. So, so it's an indispensable piece, but it's not the whole story. There's also another thing called personal Bible study and prayer. You've heard of that, right? Where we on our own take the word of God on a daily basis and open it up and receive from God deep truth and words to help us in our daily existence where we get grace and mercy and direction through times of prayer. Critical. But that's just two of the pieces. There's a third piece. And that third piece is some kind of a small group. The place where life transformation is most likely to happen because it's when we get together and we share with each other what God has been speaking into our lives that a certain accountability comes into what God has said to us and we begin to hold each other accountable for what God has said and in that circle we grow together. We find courage together to storm those walls in our lives that are keeping us from the promised land that God is calling us to. So I got to tell you, you really need all three of these pieces in your life. And I am praying that you will sense a conviction from the Holy Spirit that this is true and that this time you will in fact act. We've tried to make this as easy as possible for everyone. We've prepared uh, lesson studies and we will prepare studies for each week. And the first one is available today. You can pick it up in the West Lobby. Pastor Steve is sitting out there. He has places you can sign up and everything you need and the answers to every question related to this that you might have. It's all available out there as well as on the Forest Lake Church website. All that is required for you to participate is a place to gather and a general plan on how you'll engage the study. Your group's going to work best if you have a leader, but it doesn't have to be the leader every time. You can take turns. All the leader does is read the study questions and then give time for people in the room to respond. This is not a teaching exercise. This is an engagement exercise. The point is not getting the answers right. The point is honestly wrestling with the questions. When you do this, generally plan on an hour for the discussion. That doesn't have to be a hard, fast rule, though you do need to be sensitive that you have a firm ending time. And this will be hardest for you the first time you get together because it'll be so fun and everybody will be talking and you'll want to go on and on and on and on and on. And the next week, everybody will say, I can't go back there. I can't stay up that late. So don't fall into that trap. You got to have a little discipline on the ending time or else everybody will be afraid to come next week. Nobody's allowed to take up all the time in the conversation. This is not a place for you to show your knowledge. But instead, it's everyone's business to hear from everyone else. One of the neatest things about a group like this is you will always learn more from a group than you would ever have gotten for yourself. The scripture comes alive in a way you've never heard it before when someone else reflects to you what they see in it. And in addition, your comrades will provide gentle but faithful accountability for you in everything that the Holy Spirit is directing you to do. So this is why 
Small groups are so important to life transformation. Don't feel bad. If it feels a little awkward at first, you'll get the hang of it. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Be sure to end the study time with prayer where everyone is invited to pray, but no one is forced. You can work that out. And here's the thing about it. Sometimes people come into that. They don't pray in public. They're very uncomfortable. Five weeks later, they're praying. It just happens. I particularly urge you to participate if you have a family, even though it's tough, because it sets a wonderful example for your kids. You know, you get together with, with other adults who have kids a lot, and, and they see you getting together and doing stuff, watching sports or playing sports or doing stuff as a family or going places. Imagine the impact on your kids to see you and your circle of adult friends getting together to talk about God's Word and what's in the Scripture. That is an example you want to set. I know you will not be sorry if you make time for this. Again, Pastor Steve's in the West Lobby. Get you all signed up. This is an opportunity for growth in your personal spiritual life and growth in the spiritual life of your social circle. So to my group that meets with me on Tuesday nights, We start up this Tuesday, so you need to be there. I particularly want to hear what you have to say about this particular study. But back to the main topic for today, that of Joshua and the walls that God was sending him to face. I mentioned that it seems to me Joshua must have felt overwhelmed at the task that God had assigned him. But God addressed his fears, saying that he would be with Joshua just like he was with Moses, and that Joshua had every reason to be strong and courageous because God promised he would be successful. This is exactly the attitude we need anytime God sends us against walls in our lives. So let me ask you, do you ever feel like you've been banging your head against a wall in your life that stands between you and your promised land for as long as you can remember? But that wall still stands and never falls? Well, let me say this. I commend you for attacking the wall. But are you certain you're attacking the wall wisely? Does God intend you to knock it down with your head? I'll bet no. What I mean is, did God tell you to beat your head against the wall? Or do you think maybe if you'd stop to listen, you might have heard he had another plan for how you were to bring the walls down? So how are you doing today? In your heart, how's your courage? Are you feeling victorious in Jesus? Or are you feeling like what God is asking of you is the very thing you have no chance of doing? If you're feeling more like that, then I want you to listen closely to God's words to Joshua because I believe Joshua was feeling that way as well. Listen closely to these words, for in them I am suggesting that you will find a strategy that will either take you over or under or through any wall that lies between you and the promised land of God's presence on the other side. 
Joshua 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant, all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. All right, now think about this a second. Is it possible that one reason you cannot get past the wall in front of you is because you aren't being careful to live according to the law that God has given you? You see that in this text, right? He says, be strong and courageous and be careful to obey the law that I gave to Moses. Now, I'm not suggesting sinless perfection here, but if you are routinely and without regard compromising the principles of the Ten Commandments with your lifestyle, I don't think you should be expecting much success against your wall. Why? Well, I'll let God's word to Joshua say it better than I could. Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How can we ever expect to be prosperous and successful against the walls in our life if we disregard God's instructions on how to be prosperous and successful? Lord, make me prosperous and successful without having to do the things that make me prosperous and successful. Does that make sense? Not much. I'll tell you what, if you wanted a strong argument for why we need daily personal Bible study, here you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you can be careful to do what's in it. How are you going to do that if you're not spending time in God's Word every day? That's how you do it. And it's another reason why you need to be a part of a small group because that helps solidify God's Word in your life. So are you facing walls in your life? Joshua would lead the children of the children of Israel. Because it wasn't the original children of Israel that got in. Joshua would lead the children of the children of Israel across the Jordan and into the land. And sure enough, as soon as they get there, the first challenge they come to is the walled city of Jericho. But God had promised that Joshua would be successful even where Moses was not. And so Joshua put his hope in the Lord even when the strategy the Lord laid out for taking the city uh, frankly seemed a little strange. The faithless generation that died in the wilderness feared the walls of the cities of the land. And because that, they turned back and died in the wilderness. But now God is leading the next generation forward, but not in the way they might have expected. God was about to show all of them what faith can do to a wall. It was a crazy plan to silently walk around the city once a day for six days, but do nothing else. And then walk around the city seven times on the seventh day. 
But here's the thing, don't get the wrong lesson here. Sometimes we do this with the Bible. The lesson was not that walking around a city is a new and effective siege technique. (laughs) Not the lesson. Instead, I believe God was using this to send a message to the children of Israel and a message to the Canaanites in the city and to the rest of the inhabitants of the land all at the same time. To Israel, here's what I think happened to Israel. They walked around that thing enough times to know there really isn't any way in here. There really isn't any way we can take this thing down. They knew what that city looked like. They knew they had little hope on their own. And to the people in Jericho, they had a whole new experience. The opportunity to be terrified of people who are doing absolutely nothing. (laughs) But that's what happens when the fear of the Lord falls on people because God's people are marching. And to the rest of the people of the land, the lesson that if the God of Israel goes before his people, there is no way to defeat them. No wall is high enough when God is with his people. So how did the wall come down? Joshua 6, verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. No wall can stand before the people of God when God has determined that wall must come down. But God's people must believe And God's people must act in faith on what God has commanded them to do. We're going to be talking about walls in the weeks ahead. Lots of different things about walls. And as we talk about walls, I believe God will reveal to us walls in our own lives that need to come down and maybe some walls in our life that need to go up. I believe that this spring can be a time of victory in the Holy Spirit for us as a church and for us as individuals, as God's people. But we will not achieve the victories God has appointed to us if we shrink back in fear. And we will not achieve the victories God has appointed to us if we do not do what the Lord has commanded us. And that is why you need to hear two more things before we finish today. The first are words from Paul, and the second, one more bit of God's words to Joshua. First, the words to Paul. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's what it's saying. There is no wall in the natural world nor in the supernatural world that can wall you off from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus your Lord. No walls. Nothing between. No, we are more than conquerors through Jesus. Therefore, why would we be afraid of walls? So hear this word that God spoke to Joshua. And as we set on, out on this journey, hear this word as though God is speaking it to you. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When we work together with God, when we trust his promise to lead us to the promised land, we can be sure that he will tear down the walls, the walls that bar our way, the walls that stand between us and him, the walls between us and the promised land. We can trust him. He has proven himself before. We need only be strong and courageous and faithful and he will tear down the walls. Which walls? Well, we're going to get to that. But today, only know that God has commanded you to be strong and courageous and to not be afraid. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we hear your word and we see how your word gave Joshua courage to take the people into the land. Lord, there's walls we fear. Help us to believe that every wall you have appointed to come down will come down. Help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen.